Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo4j, and I'm here recording another episode of our Graphistania podcast, and I've been looking forward to this one for a long time, actually for a month or so, uh, because on the other side of this uh, hangout is a gentleman that you may know, I uh, have gotten to know a little bit more, and that's Matt Casters. Hi Matt. Hi Rick, nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you for joining me. That's great, um, Matt. You're you're not so far away from me because you're also in Belgium. Um, That's right. But I think some people might know you from your uh, from your history in the open source community. But why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and maybe also I'll tell us what the relationship with Neo4j is these days. Well, yeah, my my background is actually uh, in infrastructure. Uh, I was a Unix uh, support professional from AIX at one point, and I became an Oracle data- database admin. And uh, so this is kind of like how I rolled into the wonderful world of uh, business intelligence and uh, data warehousing. Um, so uh, at some point, 15, 20 years ago, I started uh, building my own tool, uh, my open open source tool later on, but my own tool called Kettle. Uh, the kettle extraction, transportation, transformation, and loading environment in a big world. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's very GNU-like, uh, man. Yeah, yeah it was, we say. it's not yeah. Unix, it's a recurs- <laughs> recursive a- uh, acronym. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So that's why I liked it, of course. Yeah. And uh, so in December 2005, I open-sourced it. Initially, it had like a, a lesser GNU public license. But I think six, seven years ago, that was switched to Apache license. Uh, but uh, in 2005, it was uh, uh, version 2 something that I released, and it became very popular instantly because there was like a, there was nothing out there. Talon didn't exist yet. There were no real uh, data integration tools that, uh, that were deployable. And I had deployed Kettle on a few occasions, on a few projects, so it was kind of like hardened a little bit, right? So most people could just unzip it and use it. Just like it is today, unzip it and start using it. That's kind of like the idea of the tool. It's super well known, right? Lots of people yes. know it, lots of people use it. Uh, I've actually used it in the past myself. It's mm-hmm. it's really nice. So it, uh, it, it really has like millions and millions of downloads. And uh, the company I work for the past 12 years, Pintel, has, uh, well, has had a lot of success for, uh, with it. And uh, Tower was then acquired by Hitachi uh, Data Systems, now Hitachi Van Tower. And at some point I felt like it was time to, uh, to move on to greener pastures, more uh, different challenges, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's how you came to Neo4j, uh, I think like a month, a month ago or something like that. Yeah, yeah so uh, I flew down to San Mateo to talk to the team. Because, uh, I wasn't really... Um, familiar with the uh, with the success of Neo4j really because it's been uh, growing and growing and, and uh, becoming more and more successful to my defense I did I did have a book in my library from uh, Ilan uh, graph databases and I did read a, a lot about it but that was like five years ago or something it's an old book right and <laughs> so uh, I talked to the whole team and I was so uh, you know I felt like I could make like a huge difference this uh, team because 
I saw that uh, Neo4j was not just being used as a database, but as part of larger solutions, you know, uh, specifically solutions for, um, you know, recommendation engine, that sort of thing, like customer 360s, well, a huge variety of, of bigger solutions. And as such, uh, you know, I have a lot of experience doing those. Yeah, but I think also, you know, the, the whole, you know, ETL story fits really well with, um, with craft databases, right? Course, when you, course, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's also one of the things that Neo4j actually, you know, very, very often we find that uh, we're not in a greenfield situation, right? We have to Absolutely. integrate Neo4j with other tools and other environments and we have to extract data from that. Mm-hmm. We have to transform it and we have to load it into the graph database, right? Absolutely. So there's a, a lot of links there. So yeah, when you're talking about so integrating with, with modern architectures, modern technologies like Kafka or or Hadoop or, uh, you know, the modern, modern NoSQL databases or case in point Neo4j. So uh, those are those are the you know the ideal cases for Kettle, right? And then, we've had a we've had a connector to uh, from Kettle to Neo4j for a while, haven't we? Yes, absolutely. So Bart uh, Martins from NoBI wrote that. Uh, it worked. It works fine. Um, the only thing that I would uh, add to that, and and I have been adding to that in the last couple of weeks is I've been writing a bunch of viewpoints for, the, for Neo4j is that it's less suitable for streaming data sources like the ones from Kafka that we encountered a few weeks ago at the customer side. And so uh, there we need uh, an easier way of uh, uploading uh, relational sets of data into a graph, right? Uh, yeah, either using cool. Cypher or using something new. <laughs> so, so, so what do you think is the, the big attraction point for you to Neo4j? You know, what do you like about it mostly? Uh, or, oh, or in other words, you know, why did you join? <laughs> oh, as a, as, a, as a BI data warehouse guy, I have been in situations where the number of relationships between, let's say, fact tables have caused problems. Uh, the, the, the performance aspect of, um, you know, of, of a very fast graph store that can solve these uh, relationship problems very quickly where you can say uh, where you can still have like a, a huge amount of uh, let's say hops in, let's say, in transport situations traveling salesman situations where you can still traverse these relationships quite quickly and find the short, shortest paths and all these all these graph algorithms that's very uh, very interesting right uh, so the, the, the use cases that I mentioned earlier, they are real. They are a key differentiator between what's out there in the market. If you talk about uh, Mongo or or any of the other big table implementations where they store simple tu- tuples, basically, a key and a value in a database, these are very fast for looking things up and updating them, and that's great. But that doesn't give you any relationship between these entities or it doesn't give you anything on top of that. So I felt like, uh, yeah, this was something completely different. And, and like I said, I, I felt like I could make a difference in the team, right? So I, I felt like I could uh, uh, improve our situation in UFJ quite uh, dramatically by, by uh, um, you know, writing a few quick wins, setting up a, the recommended architectures, coming up with best practices architectures for, for using Kettle. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm reading LinkedIn here and I'm finding that your new title at Neo4j is Chief Solutions Architect. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, what does that mean and what are you going to be doing at Neo4j? Can you so first, first of all, that? so I'm, I'm looking at the uh, solutions that we're, that we're building at, uh, at Neo4j and uh, one of the things that I want to do is standardize more so that we can scale faster. Yep. So that we can uh, learn easier from all the projects that we do. So uh, what are all the best practices that go along with any kind of development projects? How can we reuse uh, codes? How can we go from, let's say, an 18-month implementation trajectory with lots of development to something that we can do in a few days? That's basically what I want to do. And, and initially, obviously, we're, we're looking at the uh, data loading aspect, but afterwards, obviously, we're going to look at the front end as well because we have uh, really cool tools like Bloom. Uh, thanks for your video, by the way. We can so Bloom is, is coming around the corner, but we need more than just Bloom. We need also sorts of dashboarding technologies and uh, uh, for these larger solutions. That's really cool. I think, you know, that especially our our field engineering teams, right? The, the consultants that are implementing these solutions at the customer or that are working with partners to implement these, yeah. they, they will benefit big time from this, right? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, and the, and the nice part is so uh, you know uh, kettle, how the integration, meaningful addition. You can just download that for free from SourceForge. There's no real, uh, let's say, uh, barrier to entry to start playing along. And and ultimately, that's my my short term goal is to make it incredibly easy to load any sorts of data into Neo4j. Yeah. Some relationships. I think that is something that is needed. I think uh, Neo4j has uh, offered a tremendous amount of options from, uh, you know, in a quick uh, initial load from a relational database with uh, Neo4j ETL that, that still exists out there. Mm -hmm. uh, we have things like uh, bulk loaders, we have Java APIs, we have all sorts of scripting capabilities. Uh, but so far, you know, the uh, the data integration, the visual program tools kind of were left behind. I think no, uh, I, that's going to change dramatically, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, this this part of the of the you know, project, I guess, at the customer, I can only confirm that it's a huge, uh, mm -hmm. it's a huge uh, topic at the, at the customer side or the user side, right? I mean, my my worst nightmare is also always when uh, customers are super enthusiastic about Neo4j and then they try to load like a zillion rows into Neo4j in one transaction, yeah. and uh, you know that 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 doesn't necessarily end well. Um, yeah. So uh, you know how it is, right? So, so yeah. If if I uh, if you ask me, so so how would I love to see this? And this is this is the world that I live in as an architect. I I try to envision how I would love to see this, and I would love to see us uh, do um, you know conceptual data modeling with graphs, not on a blackboard, but on in our own software. I would love for them to be able to connect the dots in Kettle using those shared graphs, distributable. Uh, annotated graphs, and so that's that's my ideal world where uh, we might use Cipher or we might use a Java API in the background, but customer wouldn't have to usually wouldn't have to wouldn't have to handcraft large Cipher statements or, or or anything like that. We just do this automatically based on the 
nodes and relationships with properties and whatnot. So you've already given us a little bit of a taste of what the future looks like, but yeah, you know. yeah, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm always very open about this. <laughs> but what, what does it look like, you know, in like two or three years from now? You know, how do you look at that? You know, what's what's in store oh, for, for, so, for the uh, industry? <laughs> uh, I really want to make a make a big difference. I want, really want to make. Uh, it's very easy for people to uh, to use Neo4j. So probably integration into the uh, something like the Neo4j desktop app or, or or in the web front end somewhere. Something very easy, some wizard-like fashion of where people can try out Neo4j in five minutes. Um, that would be my my preferred way of really dumbing it down for the say the data scientist guy, the IT tier that wants to try it out quickly, and uh, ease ease the uh, the learning curve that is um, sometimes substantial. <laughs> you know, I agree. Yeah. Very good, very good. And then after that, it's just world domination, right? That's all. We yeah, know. and let's let's take a quick look. Uh, you know, a clear and in-depth look later on uh, at that front end because uh, a lot of vendors out there, the tableaus, the click text, they they don't support graph databases. They don't support um, any kind of uh, querying, right? So we can either dumb down the graphs to flat data sources and, and expose uh, JDBC or ODBC drivers, but that's not the, that's not what we really want, right? We want to own that as well, I think, at some point. Uh, um, I think uh, Bloom is, is a great starting point, but I think we, we can do more. I think we can... Uh, and there's also already so much open source technology out there that I'm sure we can we can do more and create like a more integrated and, and easy to use platform for uh, for all our users and partners out there. Absolutely. Well, Matt, you know, I think uh, I'm looking forward to the future already. And uh, I, yeah. I, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, for sharing that with us and uh, with our listeners. It's That's great cool. to have you on the team and it's great to have you on the podcast. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll hear a lot more about you and, and your work uh, in the next couple of months. Yeah, invite me in six months and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Thank right. you, Matt. Talk thank to you, you soon. Me.